Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. If you've been a part of City, you know that um, for about two years now, every service, we pray the Lord's Prayer together. And so let's go ahead and do that. Now, full disclosure, we plan out our preaching calendar a year ahead, so everything's planned for the year. And just in prayer over the last week, um, I felt led of the Lord to loop back around and deal with the Lord's Prayer again. My son preached on the Lord's Prayer last Sunday, but I felt really compelled to go back and take a look at the Lord's Prayer for forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness biblically. So we're going to deal with that head on this morning. So here's what Jesus says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we... Keep going. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Nine times in the Lord's Prayer, there's a plural pronoun. You see, God has created us for relationship. Now, normally, if you're from the high church, you would have kept going and you would have done the deal with the kingdom again. But what's interesting to note in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus in the oldest, most reliable manuscripts, does not do that. But what he does do in all of our Bibles is he gives commentary back into the Lord's Prayer that he has just taught us. By the way, just so you know, the Lord's Prayer is the prayer of the kingdom. You see, Jesus taught us a prayer, and the Lord's Prayer is actually the kingdom prayer. Jews prior to Jesus had what's called the Shema. They pray it three times a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Love the Lord your God, mind, heart, soul, and strength. Jews pray that three times a day. Jesus taught us a new Shema. By the way, the word Shema means to hear, to listen. And so the Lord's Prayer is the kingdom prayer. It's not the pattern for prayer. It is the prayer that we're called to pray. But I want you to notice in the middle of it, the prayer says that heaven would come here. Do you know there's no prayer anywhere in the Bible for us to get to heaven? It's that heaven would come here because we need it now. So what we're going to do this morning, though, is we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer. And before you're seated, though, I want you to notice that Jesus loops back into the Lord's Prayer and he gives commentary. And here's the commentary he gives, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you think Jesus is serious? Please be seated. Jesus assumes that we will pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. So three times a day, you will be thanking God for the three meals you've eaten and you will be reminded three times a day you are to, begin to be a forgiving person. I'm not sure if that's enough of a reminder, but hopefully it is. 
What I want to do this morning is, is I would like for us to square up to biblical forgiveness. Because if you were to look at the Lord's Prayer, you'd quickly kind of log into the fact that God does everything else in the prayer except for one thing. And you're supposed to do that as a kingdom person. You and I are supposed to be forgivers. Everything else in the Lord's Prayer, God does. He brings heaven to earth. God does all of that, but we, in partnering with Jesus in his kingdom in this world, are called to forgive. Now, if you were to look at the Lord's Prayer and you were to have written it, much like I feel at times I have suggestions for God on how he should have written things in the Bible, my suggestion for the Lord's Prayer is that love should have been in there. But as you begin to look at the kingdom of Jesus and what Jesus teaches and more importantly how he lives, what you begin to discover is that forgiveness is the economy or the currency of the kingdom of God, not love. It's actually forgiveness. And again, we can back that up by the Lord's Prayer. It never mentions love. But the most repeated theme in the Lord's Prayer is forgiveness. It's the most repeated theme. And so again, what I'd like for us to do is square up to forgiveness in our own lives and ask Jesus to help us as we do this. Now, as I'm getting ready to teach through forgiveness biblically, I'm keenly aware that some of us have a view of forgiveness in the kingdom that is actually inaccurate. And I want to begin by saying this, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same things. They are totally different animals. Are they related? Yes, but they are separate. And so we're going to dive into that this morning. And the way I want us to do that is to look only at what Jesus says. That's important to me. What does Jesus say about forgiveness? And we're going to do that because in Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, it's uploaded to us that our part to play in the kingdom and in the Lord's Prayer is to forgive That's what we're taught. And Jesus' commentary says, if you refuse to forgive people, then forgiveness in your life will short-circuit. It's going to fry out. So if you've experienced God's forgiveness, but it doesn't flow through you to others, then that forgiveness loop fries, and you no longer get it from God either. And so what I want to do again is that I'm going to ask that we would square up to this. And here's something I want to say with all of my heart. If you are a college student, I want you to get this down now. It will save you tons of sideways energy and brokenheartedness and dysfunction. I want you to square up to it now. Because while you're in college, you're doing a lot of things. One of them ought to be squaring up to your own life and being honest about who you are and what you are because, by the way, you will never escape that. There's an old country saying that a very countrified man taught me when I first came to City 25 years ago. Here's what he said. He and I were in a conversation. He's now passed on and he's with Jesus, but we were sitting together once and someone came by and said to me, I can't wait. I am moving to Florida, and when I get to Florida, I know I'll be happy. 
And he turned to me, this very elderly gentleman, and he said, you gots to live with yourself wherever you go. That's what he said. Florida, Virginia, Antarctica. You gots to live with yourself. And what we'll discover together is that being a forgiveness person or a forgiving person brings me in alignment with how God has created us to be. To get sideways with that makes life very dysfunctional and really, really difficult. So again, let's look at what Jesus says. So in Matthew 6, Jesus uploads to us in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, if you're in the kingdom, you're called to be a forgiving person, and that's your role to play. God covers everything else, but you are called to be a forgiver. Now later in Matthew 18, Jesus, as every good rabbi did, he makes a statement as his kingdom begins to step in. Jesus makes this statement, and then all the way in Matthew 18, he actually picks it up again and does a deep dive into forgiveness in his kingdom. So where we're going to read is we're going to pick up Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17, then we'll skip and we'll jump back up and pick up verses 21 and 22, dealing with sin in the church. Now, ultimately, an accurate heading should be how to deal with sin in your life and forgiveness. So here we go. Here's what Jesus says. If your brother or sister sins, by the way, in all of your Bibles, there's a footnote right after the word sins. And if you look at the bottom of the page, it'll say sins against you. So it could be one or the other, if they sin or they sin against you. All right, let's pick up our reading. So if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. In other words, you don't go to your friend group and tell everyone the problem you have with this person. Jesus says if someone sins against you, you go just between the two of you. And you square up to it and you mention it. We're going to come back to that later. If they listen to you, you have won them over. In other words, your relationship is what it should and could be. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. In the ancient world, nothing's allowed in a court of law unless two or three people corroborate the story. And so what Jesus says is you go by yourself the first time You share your perspective. If they will not listen, then you take one or two people with you. Reading on, he says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. In other words, whatever mutual authority is over your life, go to them, tell them what the issue is, and if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. That is going to become extremely important on how we deal with forgiveness in our lives. Reading on, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? In other words, Peter's saying there's got to be a limit to this because, Jesus, have you seen the disciples I am forced to hang with? Like, there's got to be a limit. And he coughs up the number seven, which, by the way, biblically is perfection. Seven, completeness, wholeness, perfection. So he looks at Jesus and says seven times, I'm going to forgive John the Apostle seven times, and then I will headbutt him with the love of God. 
That's how this will play out. And Jesus answers him, I tell you, not seven, but 77. And it's not because you don't have enough fingers and toes to track 77 times, right? You could kind of count seven, but that's not what he's doing. Jesus is actually doing something extremely sophisticated biblically here. It's called a remez. Jesus knows, Peter knows the Older Testament. And Peter comes to Jesus with the number seven, and Jesus goes, how many times? Seventy-seven. Well, seventy-seven's only found one other place in the entire Bible, and it's found with a dude in the Older Testament called Lemek. Lemek is the great, 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 great grandson of Adam. And what we find is Lemek is married to two wives, and he sings them a ditty. And here's the song he sings. Literally, it's recorded right in Genesis 4. Here's the song he sings to his two wives. So Genesis 4, 23 and 24. Lemek said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, that's their names. Here's his little ditty. Listen to me, wives of Lemek. Hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me. In other words, he wounded me, and I lopped his head off his shoulders. I took him out. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. I've done it many times. That's what he's saying. If Cain is avenged, how many times? That's what Peter said. Then Lemek, how many times? 77. Interesting. So there's the Lemek way of dealing with people, and there's the Jesus way of dealing with people. And Lemek, in his little ditty to his two wives, tells you where he learned how to deal with people that rub you the wrong way. Cain. Cain was jealous of his brother. And what does he do? He kills him. This is called familial dysfunction, just so you know. And by the way, it is humorous until it isn't. Because some of us sitting here know that the home you were raised in, the way you deal with conflict is anger and rage and violence. You know that. And so if someone rubs you the wrong way, you better get the upper hand quick and take them out. Because if you don't, they'll take you out. And so you were raised in a home like this, or there's other dysfunctional patterns that we're not going to go into, but what Lemek is telling his two wives is, I have perfected what Cain started. I am phenomenal at this. And Jesus looks at Peter, and he does a remez. Seven was in the song. Seventy-seven is in the song. And what Jesus is discipling Peter into is, in the kingdom, we live differently than Lemek. There's the Lemek way or the Jesus way. And I will promise you, the Jesus way is really challenging. Now, if you were to take Cain, you would discover, if you read in Genesis, that Cain gets jealous of his brother, and he's beginning to foam and get angry and jealous, and God comes to him, and here's what God says to Cain. Cain, sin is crouching at your door like a wild animal, and it desires to have you, but you can master it, and he doesn't. 
and murder enters the human race. And so what we now have is we've got Jesus who does this remez to Lemek, and then what we discover is is that we've got this teaching that Jesus has just uploaded to his disciples about how forgiveness is to work in the kingdom of God. Now, what I want to do is very practically look at what we just heard. Jesus said, if someone sins against you, what do you do? You go find everyone in your friend group and you tell them what they did, and then you get their approval. No, it's not what he said. He said, if someone sins against you, what are you supposed to do? You go to them by yourself. Now, if they don't repent, in other words, change, then what are we called to do? Take two or three. In other words, you take someone with you, and this is absolutely genius, and I want to tell you why. Some of you know that the sin against you has been absolutely devastating for your life. This isn't that they stole a piece of gum off your desk. It's that what this person did to you was completely destructive to who you are as a person. Some forgiveness is like a level one. Some of the forgiveness that you will have to deal with could be a level 10, where what they did to you was illegal, it was highly invasive, and it has been destructive to you. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus says. You go, you confront them with what they've done, and if they refuse, what do you do? You go and you get a witness, and they come with you. And here's the deal and why it's so genius. First of all, let's say it's not the highly invasive illegal stuff, but you bring someone with you, and you go to confront that person again, and when you do that, neutral party now can speak into your life, and they could say to you, by the way, you're nuts. That person was right, and you're the wrong one. They can give you feedback. But here's the other thing that's so genius, is that if you take someone with you, and that person has done violence to you, you're not alone with them. And by the way, according to Jesus' recipe, you will never be alone with them again, ever. So if someone has done violence to you, and you know what I'm talking about, you are never alone with that person again, ever. And there were shades of forgiveness that I was taught in the church where I was raised where if you forgive the person, you jump right back into that relationship. That if you forgive, you for... That's not how it works. Jesus never says that. What Jesus says is you square up to that person, you confront them about what they've done to you, and then you're never alone with them again, ever. You take someone with you, if they refuse to repent, acknowledge, and change their ways then what the text says is you take them to a mutual authority, and if they don't listen to the mutual authority, how do you treat them? As a what? A pagan or a tax collector. You separate your life from them. You actually separate your life. Because I think too many times there's a sense that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing, and they are not the same thing. Are they linked? Yes, but they're not the same. They're not the same. And so what we find is Jesus, in very wisdom-filled fashion, presents to us how do I deal 
with the context in my life where forgiveness is needed. How do I handle it? Someone sins against me, I go to them, I confront them, and if they don't repent, I take someone with me. If they refuse to repent, then we take them to a governing body. If they still refuse to repent, then what I do is I remove my life from them. I remove my life. But what that does mean is that forgiveness isn't over. And again, I want you to hold the card in your hand, and I want you to take just a moment. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Or maybe someone you need to go and ask forgiveness from? It's interesting to note that this entire teaching that Jesus brings is on the heels of the disciples arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus pulls in a little child and says, unless you become like the child, you can't even get into the kingdom. You won't be able to function into the kingdom. And then Jesus begins to deal with what we're talking about. Very fascinating. But when we sit here together, I'd like you to look at this card. For some of you, your life relationally is perfect. But for 99.9 to infinitum of us sitting here, there's going to be someone that the Spirit of God is going to bring to mind and heart. For some of you, your forgiveness is something that's huge. Someone did something to you that no human being should ever do to another person. But that's happened to you. For others of us, it'll be much more surface than that. But I know and I believe that what Jesus is mandating can bring forgiveness to all of it. But as we put feet to our faith this morning, I want us to look at what Jesus ends the forgiveness conversation with. Matthew 18, 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your, or your brother or your sister from your heart. You see, forgiveness does not happen between two people. It happens in your heart. What happens between two people is an outgrowth of the forgiveness in your heart. So the person that did something to you could be dead and gone. That person could be so violent and so toxic to you that you actually can't go face them. But you can still forgive them where? In your heart. And just because you forgive them does not mean that you are reconciled to them relationally or that your relationship will be restored. There are some people that maybe in your life you should never, ever, ever, ever be in relationship with again, ever, unless they repent. And repent means to truly change, not just say it, but to live differently. One of the reasons why I'm so excited about this message is because I had this own experience in my own life this year. My own life. Earlier this year, I was traveling for ministry. And when I do, I like to go to churches that I've read a little bit about that I know are doing ministry well, and I like to steal ideas. So I had planned on going to two churches this Sunday because I was away from city. City. 
And so I went to the first church and I sat down. I got there for the 8.30 service and the service was phenomenal. How we were greeted, everything, just as a pastor, I'm like, wow, it's a mega church, thousands of people. And I'm sitting there going, this is incredible. Worship, awesome. Sermon, awesome. And then at the end of the sermon, the pastor goes, just like we do here, if you would like prayer, I want you to invite you to come forward. And at that moment, I felt impressed by the Spirit where God put it in my heart, you need to go forward and get prayed for, to me. Well, I had just been robbing ideas through the entire service. And so I'm like, oh, okay, wow, that's odd. And so I thought, well, that's weird, and, but I think I'm going to go forward. So I go forward, and when I walk down the aisle, there's a bunch of people praying for people, and there's an elderly couple that stand in front of me, and I walk up to them, and the older gentleman says, how can I pray for you? And what stunned me was this surge of emotion that came up out of my soul. And I literally had to say, oh, man, I began to cry, and I said, Uh, Just give me a minute. Uh, I'll tell you in a moment. But here's what I talked about. There was a period of my life where I dealt with some people who are pretty close to me out of anger instead of love and grace. And although we had talked about it, they and I, I could feel between me and them that that relationship had kind of like a thick marine layer cloud between us. And so for years, we had lived like this. And even though forgiveness was asked for and granted the whole bit, I just, whenever they can, we get together with them, it's not all too often, but when we got together, I could just feel that that was between us still. And that's what came to mind as I stood in front of this elderly couple, and I was stunned by how much emotion I had as I was beginning to talk about it with them. I literally had to collect myself. And when I was done... The older gentleman looked at me and he said, Pete, really thank you because I had told him my name. He asked me my name. And and he said, Pete, I really want to thank you for coming forward for prayer. We're just going to ask that the Lord would really allow forgiveness in your heart and your life just to be full and free. So they prayed. And I cannot overstate how free I felt when I was sitting in my car after that service. I sat there and I never realized how heavy that burden truly was. And I just sat in my car and I was completely stunned by how free I felt. Several weeks later, that person, one of the people that I'm referencing, was back within connection with me relationally. We were kind of sitting around in a conversation together and I was two hours in before it dawned on me that everything between us was gone. They know nothing about the story I just told you. They know nothing. But she, there was something spiritually about me that God dealt with. And when God dealt with it, that person sensed that I was different. It was incredible to me. And it dawned on me, I'm, I'm kind of slow on the uptake, by the way, with a lot of stuff. But I was there for like two hours when it dawned on me, we are relating to each other as we did before I had that pretty lengthy span of dealing with them in anger. And God just took it away. It was incredible to me. But what is so awesome is this, is if we will live into forgiveness, I think Jesus jumps off his throne and comes back to earth and says, I'm walking with her. If she's willing to do this, I 
will invest everything I am with her. If he's willing to do this, I will invest everything that I am with her because they're trying to live as the kingdom. So what I want you to do is stand as we close. And as we stand together, I'm going to ask that you would have that card in your hand. And if God has put the name of someone on your heart, and if you have a pen, I want you to put their initials there. You don't have to put their name. You can just put their initials. If you don't, that's fine too. If you're home and you're watching us online, I would encourage you to do this wherever you're at. I'd like for you to write the name of that person or their initials down. And then as Rebecca and the worship team leads us, I'm going to ask you to put feet to your faith. That you would step out from where you are and that you would lay your card across the front. We've probably got a hundred of up, up here already from the first service. But in doing so, you would come forward and lay this down. And as you do, you would be saying, Jesus, I have no clue how all of this works. But what I do know is that in your kingdom, you're asking me to do this. And God, what I've been trying to do or not do in my own strength, I pray that you would step into the middle and that you would heal. As God convicts you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Let's worship.